Today on Ag News Daily. Gosh, these are good people. Unbelievably skilled people in relationships and conversations. And it takes all of that to get things done. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a ooh, chilly, cold day here in central Iowa. Driving back this morning from Kansas City, it was snowing. Ugh, I'm not ready for that weather. Anyways, this is Delaney Howell, one of the hosts for the Ag News Daily Podcast, and it's just me today rocking it. Mike is traveling back from Washington. We've kind of been on separate schedules this week ever since he left Kansas City to uh, go speak to that interesting group of growers. But I am going to bring you the news today and uh, going to be bringing you some of the Q&A from uh, Trade Secretary Greg Dowd. He had some really interesting things to say. We kind of got to, uh, I don't want to say ambush him, but it was really a free and open discussion at the end of his remarks yesterday in Kansas City. He allowed reporters to ask him anything. He had a lot of I don't knows for answers, but there are a couple of of key things I think impact us here on the home front. So we're going to play those for you here in just a little while. But first, let's jump into some news for today. One of the questions that I had, and you're going to hear it here just in a little while for uh, for Ambassador Dowd, was what's going on in China? What's going on with, with uh, Terry Branstead? Because as Iowa people know especially, he is supposed to be good friends with President Xi. They specifically picked him as Chinese ambassador because of his relationship with China, but he's not really been in the limelight lately until today. Uh, he's apparently making a trip back to the U.S. or is in the U.S. currently. Sat down with President Trump as well as Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue, and he told reporters that he is very hopeful about President Trump's upcoming meeting with President Xi and thinks that this will make some progress towards ending the ongoing trade war. He said, quote, My hope is that we can develop a framework that can lead to an agreement. So it sounds like he is very confident. I'm sure he's having a lot of high-level talks with Chinese people in China. Just haven't heard a lot about it lately until now. So good news there, I think. However, there's always a however, I feel like. When we look at uh, demand for Chinese soybeans, there's a couple of key things I want to make sure we point out here because I have been listening to a lot of trade talk and market talk this morning prepping for uh, my show Market to Market. I thought this was an interesting point. I think Naomi Bloom was the one who uh, made this point originally. Brazil is extremely ahead on their planting for this time of year. And you think, okay, well, what does that matter? Well, they're, of course, a huge uh, grower of soybeans. And the thing I think that Naomi made a great point of on a show the other day was usually we get a window of opportunity to export soybeans at the beginning of the beginning of the calendar year, kind of end of this year, beginning of next year. But if they're that far ahead on planting, harvest is also going to be a lot more ahead of pace than usual. And that time of the year when we would usually get to export some soybeans, we may not get the chance to now if Brazil is that far ahead in their growing season. I think that this is echoed by the USDA. They uh, forecast that China's imports in both 17, 18, and 18, 19 marketing years have fallen by 16 million metric tons since the U.S. began uh, hitting tariffs in June. And they usually 
uh, predict that China would import 103 million tons. That's what they were originally predicting in June, is that China would import 103 million tons of soybeans for the 1819 year. Now that forecast has been slashed to just 90 million tons. So there's good and bad there, I think. You know, when we look at the trade deal coming, hopefully coming sooner rather than later, I personally am not holding out hope that it's going to be done before the end of this year, but we've got some interesting things going on internationally I think we need to need to make sure we're aware of and keeping an eye on, including what's going on in Brazil and South America, since those are definitely China's uh, per pick for trading partners at the moment, even with Brazilian soybeans at a premium to U.S. soybeans. So, on that news... Uh, don't have a good transition other than actually I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna shake it up and give a little bit more optimistic news, or uh, maybe it could be seen as optimistic at the moment. So on Monday, House Agriculture Committee's top Democratic Democrat Colin Peterson says he is going to meet with Chairman Mike Conaway, hoping to make some progress on the farm bill. I think that this is going to be interesting, seeing how we transition now uh, with elections out of the way. We've definitely gotten a shakeup here. And it's going to be interesting to see what the Democrats put their foot, what the Democrats put their foot down in regards to the farm bill. Snap work requirements, I think, is going to be a top one there. But we need a new farm bill. At the end of the day, that's what we need. Hopefully, these people are willing to work together to get that done. But we're going to keep you updated as we find out more news about that. At the moment, though, that's all I've got for you. Is their meeting hopefully on Monday to just discuss where they're at, what's going on what the next steps are, etc. So, H2A. We've got some H2A news. And I think it's going to be optimistic here. I got to talk to a couple of producers, or a, I guess you could call them growers associations this week at NAFB. One of them was the Apple Growers Association. And uh, they're headquartered in, I think, somewhere out west. I can't remember off the top of my head. But Obviously, the states that grow a lot of apples are the ones that are in the West or Florida, some of those warmer climates. And we were talking about, you know, trade, amongst other things, but also the labor and the labor shortages that they face so often. And it was interesting, the CEO of the U.S. Apple Growers Association was saying that he has talked to folks that have left a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars worth of fruit in the trees because they just haven't had the labor to pick it. They don't have a reliable source of labor. I mean, I'm as many of you know, it's not just the seasonal fruits and vegetables industry, but also dairy producers have a very hard time finding a reliable and consistent workforce. And I'm not here whether to say whether or not we should be using immigrant labor, but the Trump administration is taking some steps, finally, to address this labor crunch on farms. The Labor Department has issued a new proposed rule that would allow growers to advertise job openings online instead of in print where they are applying to import, when they're applying to import foreign workers. So this rule is the first of two that would, erate, that would ease restrictions on the H-2A visa program and this has apparently been one of the biggest complaints from farmers is that they are limited to seasonal workers, but changing this action would need to be required by Congress. 
And uh, they've just been having a really hard time, it sounds like, getting workers. And I don't know how the, how they would even find workers if they're not able to post it online. I mean, that might just be me and my generation being a little naive. But other than if that worker had come to the U.S. and they knew of that worker, they knew of that worker's family or reputation or whatever, I don't know how you would find seasonal workers anyways if you weren't able to advertise online or whatever. If any listeners can have or have any insight into this, I would be thrilled if you would share your opinion with me. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Ag News Daily. You can also shoot me a Twitter message at Delaney Howell on Delaney Howell 07. But I'm interested to know a little bit more about this. So basically, as I mentioned, it would just change to an online platform, which I think I think would be, you know, a little bit easier to find some of these workers and the Labor Department said that they're going to take public comment on this rule, advertising rules, what they're calling it, until December 10th. So hopefully some producers that have some opinions step forward and say, yes, this is a great idea. No, this isn't. And this is why. But that's just what's going on in the on the labor front. Well, when we look at what's going on in the energy front, the Trump administration is moving to reconsider the anti-dumping tariff duties that have effectively shut off imports of biodiesel from Argentina. So according to a new draft notice that the Commerce Department is expected to release next week, the government of Argentina argues that the duties are no longer justified due to its changes in taxes on soybeans and biodiesel. Argentina has cut its export tax on soybean products by 18% and increased the export tax on biodiesel by 15% reducing the export tax differential from approximately 30% to 3%. That's a huge jump there. So the U.S. industry is calling on the Commerce Department to keep the duties in place, but we'll see how that uh, goes forward. According to Kurt Kovarik, who is the Vice President of Public Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board, he said, It is unfathomable how commerce could take such unprecedented action at a time when American farmers are piling surplus soybeans on the ground. Yeah, he's definitely got a point there. I mean, as we heard yesterday, I think Mike said he ran through some of the WASD numbers with everyone. We're not to a billion, but we're definitely getting closer and closer. However, with that being said, when we look at the soybean markets, they have done a phenomenal job of continuing to I mean, I'm surprised. Every day I log in, look at the markets, and I think, okay, they're surely going to be down or they're surely going to be up. And uh, I'm usually wrong, but there are people who have a much better opinion and a much better idea of how to gauge this stuff. You know, of course, who I'm talking about, I'm talking about the Zaner Group, who is located in Chicago, Ted Seifried seriously smart guy. He He knows what he's talking about. All of them there at the Zaner Group do. They give me notes often when I'm confused about what's going on in the markets, and they can help you set up a marketing plan so that you aren't confused and you have a plan in place to know what to do during these turbulent and volatile times. Give them a call today at 312-277-0050 and tell them that you heard about it on Ag News Daily. As I mentioned, today the soybean markets are definitely responding, not how I figured they would be at this point in time. And and the corn and wheat markets are also responding. 
Let's start here with the December corn contract, which closed down three and a three quarters cent at three sixty nine and three quarters, while the March closed down four cents to end at three eighty one and a quarter. Oh man, soybeans! I'm finally excited to share this with everyone today. The November soybean contract up seven and three quarters cents to end at eight seventy five and a quarter, while the January put on seven and three quarters cents as well to close at eight eighty six and three quarters. Wheat pits not answering so favorably. The December contract down five and three quarters cents at five oh two, while the March down seven and a half cents to close at five twelve and a quarter. Hopping over into the livestock markets, not pretty across the screen here. The December live cattle contract down a dollar ninety seven and a half to close at one fourteen fifty seven and a half, while the February down two oh seven and a half to close at one seventeen eighty. In the feeder cattle pits, the weakness continues with the November contract down a dollar seventeen and a half to end at one forty nine even, while the January down two dollars and forty seven and a half cents to close at one forty three eighty. In the lean hog market, seeing a little bit of a spread here, the December cattle, the December lean hog contract up seventeen and a half cents to close at fifty five eighty, while the February in the red sixty two and a half cents to close at fifty nine fifty. And of course, we've got some dairy listeners, so let's round out our markets with that. The November contract down six cents at fourteen forty nine, while the December down a penny at fourteen forty nine as well. Now, with that, I am going to kick it off here to chat with Greg Dowd. I personally didn't get a chat with him, but as I mentioned, there's a lot of reporters' questions. I thought I pulled the best ones to bring you kind of his thoughts on the trade outlook as it sits today. to transition the conversation over to U.S.-China discussions and ask what the expectations were for President Trump and uh, China's uh, Xi Jinping's meeting ahead of the G20 summit. I don't know. That's the honest answer. What I can tell you is this. Uh, It is important that the two countries have a conversation. Now, that conversation, uh, I, I, the expectation is is that it, uh, the heads of state of our two countries will have a conversation here at the end of the month at the G20 in Buenos Aires. I don't know what that conversation is going to be. Uh, my hope is that that leads to another conversation, that leads to another conversation, that we can begin to make some progress here, to sit down and talk these two economies, these two countries, about exactly what I talked about intellectual property, forced technology transfer, regimes that allow China to play by the rules. What I will, the, the only other thing I will say here is for my part on the agricultural side of the equation, we had a very good conversation. Uh, Under Secretary McKinney and I, the end of May, 1st of June, we're in China. Uh, we had a delegation, China had a delegation. We spent three days with our counterparts talking about issues in agriculture. Uh, it was an enormous number of issues. It was a good conversation. But we're not going to have that, carry on these conversations until we sit down first and talk about things like intellectual property and technology transfer. Spencer Chase of AgriPulse, appreciate you taking the time to be here with us. Uh, You you mentioned the 232 tariffs in your remarks. Uh, We've got an agreement in principle, obviously nothing has been ratified between the United States, Canada, and Mexico. 
So why keep those tariffs in place? I mean, there's been there's been some flexibility signaled on those tariffs. So previously, why why keep them in place in, in an atmosphere where we're trying to ratify a trading agreement with, with two of the country's most significant? Well, the answer is we have to have a conversation on the steel market and and trade in steel and aluminum between our countries, and uh, that conversation is occurring right now, and hopefully we'll be able to resolve these issues. And, and sort this out so these tariffs can be lifted. But the, again, the, the two, the three countries here, and it's not all three together, so we can have a conversation with Mexico, we'll have a conversation with Canada to figure out how we can uh, better cope with trade and steel. So uh, I, the, the point I can make to you right now is that this is a top priority, to have these conversations and to get this sorted out. Do you anticipate ratifying the agreements prior to these tariffs being lifted? I don't know. All I can tell you right now is we're having the conversations to try to sort this out. And again, the point the president is making here on these kinds of issues is, look, we need to sit down and have a conversation about this and sort this out. Doug Gleason, University of Illinois, WILL Radio in Urbana-Champaign, Illinois. Yes, sir. Uh, yesterday we heard Bill Turney from Ag Resources tell us uh, about the trade negotiations with China, that one of the problems you end up with, in particular in agricultural commodities, is if you were seen as unreliable, uh, trying to rebuild a export uh, system to China, for instance, is very difficult. Will there be a ask for a commitment uh, to agri U.S. agricultural imports into China uh, during the trade negotiations? So would would the Trump administration look uh, to make sure that the Chinese are going to import U.S. soybeans at certain levels, for instance? Well, first of all, I would say, in, in full disclosure, you know, Dr. Tierney is a mentor of mine. <laughs> um, he, he is a, a dear, dear friend and uh, was, uh, was a professor at Kansas State when I was in graduate school there. Uh, what I would say with regard to China and agriculture, again, is that uh, the end of May and 1st of June, Under Secretary McKinney and I went to China and we sat down for three days and had conversations about the to-do list of things that we need to work together on to address, to expand the ability for U.S. exports into China. Let me give you a quick illustration of what I'm talking about. Yes, we do export or did export $12.7 billion worth of soybeans to China last year. But it's also important for everybody to understand that we don't sell China any rice. We don't sell anywhere near what we should be selling to China, in my opinion, in terms of wheat and corn because they don't administer their tariff rate quotas like what they agreed to do when they became a member of the WTO. It's taken us 15 years to get that beef market open. We still just sell a thimble full of beef into China. They don't buy our poultry. They give us fits on things like ractopamine and pork. And uh, what their tariff on distiller's grains is 70%. The tariff on ethanol is 80%. And we think that that would be almost a billion dollar market in terms of things like pet food that they won't even buy. So the, the point being is that yeah, we do sell China, you know, or did sell China some $20 billion worth of agricultural products. We have got a lot of work in that relationship to get it where it needs to be. Hi, Billy Howell with Ag News Daily. Can you speak on or shed any light uh, about what Ambassador Branstad is doing in China? We haven't really heard anything about his efforts there on the forefront. Um, 
I can't really speak to that. I've only met him uh, once or twice. Uh, you know, he really is an expert on China and has, you know, the close personal relationship with President Xi. Uh, I can't think of a better guy to have in China right now uh, than uh, Ambassador Branstead. And uh, we, I, again, I, it's really extraordinary for me as a Kansas farm boy in this perspective to, to get to know and to meet uh, the folks that are involved in this. And I, on, a, on a personal note, uh, spent a lot of time uh, sitting next to Jared Kushner during these conversations uh, with uh, Canada. Uh, gosh, these are good people. Unbelievably skilled people in, in relationships and conversations. And uh, it takes all of that to get things done. Michelle Rook, WNA Radio. The president says short-term pain, long-term gain. But is it really long-term because the soybean producer spent 35 years opening that China market? And just because you get a deal, does that mean that you're going to be able to rebuild that relationship? We're going to do the best we can, M Michelle. But I think you understand the theme that we have here is the fact that uh, we've got problems in our trading relationship with China that have to be addressed. You know, I, I spent some time out in California here recently and uh, you know the trade in fruits and vegetables with regard to China has just really gone gangbusters here in just the last few years. But China has been really difficult to deal with. Well, we've got to inspect this and we let things set at the port and rot. Just, you know, we can't let this relationship fester like this. And, and we have these conversations. I said, do you honestly think it's going to get any better unless we sit down and, and try to have a conversation with China to move this forward? And they, no, they understand that. These, we've got to help get this relationship where it needs to be to move it forward in, in the future. So that, you know, the, the long, short-term, long-term is an easy soundbite. It's really hard, but we've got to do it. It, it gives me no pleasure to say that. I understand, you, you know me, you understand, I understand. My dad grows soybeans, we've grown soybeans a long time. This is difficult, but it's important. I asked you this last Wednesday when I had you on here, but I'll ask again. Uh, from the practical standpoint on this, say if we invite you back to this convention one year from now, are we still going to be talking about the United States and China and trade relations? I don't know. I hope we're talking about the fact that we've moved the ball forward. We've made progress. I sincerely hope that we've talked about uh, an accomplishment with regard to Japan. I think that's really important. Um, I will tell you that I think uh, a year from now we'll have other countries that we're going to be talking about as well. And I think we'll still be uh, uh, grousing about how difficult Europe is. <laughs> Thank you all very much. All right. Well, again, that was Greg Dowd there, who is one of our representatives in Washington, D.C., really working, I think, on the trade front. He didn't have a lot of answers, as I mentioned, but I think there are some answers coming down the pipeline, or at least I certainly hope there are. But if you have answers or questions for us, you can find us on Ag News Daily, at Ag News Daily, on Facebook or Twitter. And I want to apologize here and give a quick update I know a lot of you listen to the podcast through iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or SoundCloud or whatever podcast platform app. I know it hasn't been working lately. We're very frustrated. Our web team is working very diligently, though. We're getting some things updated here because we've switched over to a new platform, the globalagnetwork.com. 
slash agnewsdaily is that specifically our website page. So go ahead and bookmark that now. We're going to be there permanently moving forward, hoping to get that iTunes podcast platform figured out and up and running this weekend. But in the meantime, you can absolutely listen to it there online. With that, I hope everybody has a warm weekend. Stay inside if you can. Avoid it. And with that, I'm going to let you go.